0: Hello, Tom here. The Berkshire Football Stories podcast has got a new sponsor. Exciting, huh? That doesn't mean that we've got new kit, though. The club's secretary has made us print it over the top of last season's shirt sponsor. He reckons it'll stretch to at least another year. He mumbled something about those footballs we keep kicking over the fence, not paying for themselves. Our new sponsor? Oh, that would be MRS Digital. An award winning digital marketing agency offering affordable social media, pay per click, and search engine optimization to help local businesses thrive since 1999. To find out more, visit mrs.digital and tell them we sent you. Hello, and welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast with me, Tom Canning, and him, Rob Davis. This is our pub, but not in a pub chat podcast we're doing daily to try and keep ourselves and all of you busy during the lockdown. You can see more podcasts from us by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. You can also follow us on Twitter at Fi Berkshire and find out more at www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Today, our special guest is Barks and Bucks FA Under-18 manager, Aaron Stedman, who joins us on the phone. Hello, Aaron. How are we, gents? Not so bad, not so bad. We've... We've been having a, just a quick chat before we came on. Um, I know uh, we, we seem to have turned to drink, which is to, to get us through this at the moment. How are you doing kind of otherwise?
1: Yeah, very well at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, agreed. Alcohol is, uh, is sort of my best friend at the moment, to be fair. <laughs> uh, something is keeping me sane, um, keeping me occupied.
0: I've I've seen you've been doing uh, just on Twitter. I've seen you've you've been doing some kind of sessions with with players, uh, and I, I I think at Bracknell is that is that right? Um, or uh, are they still going? Or have they? Yeah,
1: so the ones we've done previously have been sort of at Bissam Abbey and a couple of other venues. Um, the Astros and, and stuff are quite um quite hard to get hold of at the moment. They've been sort of in lockdown previous to the lockdown, really. Um, so we've just been a few sessions with a few boys that I've uh, previously
0: coached. Um, And I know, I know, obviously, um, you, so you've been at, uh, you've been at Bratton for a bit this season, but I I guess currently you're, you're sort of, are you, are you looking for something for next season at the moment? Is that, is that the, is that the plan?
1: Um, Yes and no, I suppose. Um, I've got the UEFA B and the Advanced Youth Award this season um, that was started in March. Obviously it's on hold at the moment. So ideally I do need to go back into a club to sort of help me complete that. Um, But I'm not, not really looking at the moment, if I'm being really honest. Uh,
0: let's uh, let's sort of take it take it kind of right back to the start, because you, um, you had a little bit of a playing career yourself, didn't you? Is that is that right?
1: I did. I did. Yeah, you could say that very loosely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I've seen a picture of you playing football. So I, I,
1: I, <laughs> a a picture, yeah. Once upon a time.
0: Where where was that?
1: Um, so I had a I, I had a bit of, actually quite a poor senior career, to be fair. Um, I wasn't really interested in playing football after a sort of my youth career, I'll be honest. Um I played for Hollyport, played for Burnham, I played for Maidenhead Reserves. Um that's sort of when me and Sam Locke were running the reserves in the Hellenic League. Um but I didn't really have a massive senior career. I wasn't I'll be honest, I wasn't really interested in playing football in senior football senior level.
0: How how come?
1: Um I left Wickham School of Excellence, um uh what was I, sixteen, something like that, and I just fell out of love completely with football. I had no yeah, I didn't didn't engage in football for the next two, three, four years in total. Even watching football, I didn't really Yeah, I just had enough, if I'm being honest. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Well how how did you go from there to get back into actually uh, some sort of playing career? So my dad was the manager of Hollypot
1: um back in the Hellenic League. Quite quite a yeah. few years ago
2: now, um, and I just went to
1: play with him, and a few mates sort of joined, and we had a good good laugh for a couple of seasons, two or three years.
2: Oh, sorry. <laughs> and so yeah, um, so even when you were playing, um, you were saying that uh, you weren't that interested. Was coaching ever um, um, on your radar at this point, or was it uh, was the whole of football just you know not really uh, enthralling you?
1: yeah in all and still, I had no love for football whatsoever um I grew up in quite a football orientated family um and obviously getting released from Wickham was sort of the nail in the coffin for a few years. I just literally didn't engage in football for quite a long time um I didn't even coaching wouldn't even have been in my uh thought process at all.
0: Um, I'm just just looking at your, your Twitter profile, Aaron. It says I have wondered I wanted to ask you this for ages. It says Excel to Vigo. What does that mean?
1: <laughs> so this is a <laughs> this is a long standing sort of private joke for going on for years and years um between myself, Sam Locke, and a few other people. Um it's all to do with transfer deadline day and stuff like that. So it's quite it'd be a long story. it would be here all day if I was to explain it all the ins and outs of it. A, a,
0: a potted history? Sorry? A potted history of it, perhaps? Um,
1: do you know what? I don't even know how it come about, I'll be honest. <laughs> I think it's something to do with me not liking the sun and me not being... Uh, when I was a player, I wasn't quite the technical type, so it was just quite a funny joke at the time. <laughs> but I'm sure they would have uh, sure they would have loved me in Spain. <laughs> the, the league all of Spain, I was... <laughs>
2: So, how did you go from being the league catamaran of Spain to um, getting into coaching?
1: Well, my dad also run um, an under sixteen side at the time. Sort of when I went back to join Hollyport senior football, Um, and I just sort of got involved in that a little bit, just to help him out more than anything. Because I mean, a lot of grassroots football is quite a lonely place as a manager or a coach, and it you've got a lot of stuff to sort of do yourself. So, having someone just to help out. it's brilliant. So that's kind of how I just got into it. Um, and we had quite a good team at the time, actually. It was quite a few years ago. Now you're talking back in 2008, 2009, something like that. And we had an under 16 side that were quite successful. Um, and yeah, it was just, that was my first sort of intake into coaching and such.
0: And you, you kind of you kind of went from that stage because now I I, know, I recognize your name for, uh, uh, you know several several years ago from from Maidenhead United and and you had quite a quite a long spell at Maidenhead United and that was but that was part of that incredibly successful youth team um, is is that am I right there?
1: Yeah, so I started with Sam Locke. Sam Locke took over as the manager of the youth team. I, I, I want to say two thousand nine, two thousand ten season. I can't quite remember. It's quite a long time ago. Um, I sort of joined in 2010, 2010 2011, um as Sam's assistant manager at the at the youth setup at Maidenhead United, and I spent I think nine seasons at Maidenhead um, in total in quite a few different varying roles, and I was always sort of involved in the development setup at Maidenhead.
0: That was that, I mean that that really was it was sort of an all conquering team back when the the allied counties had a Premier Division and a uh, and then um, sort of you know the the division 1s underneath it obviously youth football cyclical and, and 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 so so every every team would be there for 2 years and then um and then they'd sort of have to start again Maidenhead united won that competition repeatedly year after year what what was the what was the secret what what did you do to 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 ensure that that happened how did you get those best players um
1: i'm not sure we had i wouldn't say the best players I'll be honest. Um, I think what we had done quite well at Maidenhead is we had real tight groups. And we sort of set out an end goal and a plan for the boys that come into the, into the youth setup and the reserves in 23s is that they have to get to the first team. Uh, it's as simple as that. And that's kind of the, the mode we went with. Um, and I think it was a psychological change for a lot of players rather than sort of technical. Um, we didn't get much time to work with the boys, obviously maybe trained twice a week if we were lucky. So, it's more a psychological change and a, a sort of a, a tactical change in their mindsets that sort of got us to where we were. Um, I think a lot of coaches in youth football sort of go, especially at 16, 17, sort of go te- the, the technical route. Um, for me, if you've got contact time of an hour, two hours a week, um, I think it's more of a mindset change to get them used to senior football rather than the technical side of football, if
2: that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, what did you do to? Um, encourage that to get them used to senior football? Uh,
1: one of the biggest things was we never spoke about being a team. Um, so we spoke about individuals. So you're always competing with the person next to you and your team. Um, so if you've got three, four forwards in a squad, you're competing against each other to get that spot every week. Um, and so obviously to then earn money and score goals. Um, and I believe that if you have that competitive environment between each other on the training ground, uh, game day, match day, um, I believe that's that's uh, that's success for me. Um, they will go on to play senior football at a good standard, um, as well as they've got the ability.
0: That's uh, quite an interesting um, and a, and a, and a different way from from some of the managers we've spoken to before. And, and I, I wonder if that's perhaps just because Maidenhead are maybe slightly higher up the higher up the divisions but a lot of the managers that we've spoken to uh, especially sort of step five six level that that kind of level it's about that sort of team spirit and and i'm not sorry i'm not not to say that that, that your your teams wouldn't have had a good spirit but that they they, they, they the, the guys that we've spoken to so far have not sort of said about that kind of competitive nature within the squad um and it's, it's an interesting it's just something slightly different and, and a bit interesting is that is that kind of normal at that level for 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 a club like Maidenhead at that? Because obviously a lot of the teams you were competing against were were kind of maybe step four, step five. Did did you do you think that that was fairly unique at Maidenhead?
1: I think in terms of the level we were playing in the LA Counties, I think I believe yeah it was quite unique. Um, if you go to academy football, it's the norm, hmm. um, and we 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 weren't saying we were an academy side by no means. Of course we weren't, but we kind of took that mould. And said, look, if we get one or two through to the first team of the season, then we've we've done our job, basically. Um, and it, it's, it, it sounds kind of harsh to try and have a team environment rather than an individual environment. But ultimately, that was sort of our targets and our goal set was to get players through to the first team. Um, and it's a realistic, it's more realistic than if you have a whole... A whole under eighteen side that are a good unit, a good side together. Ultimately, that whole group will not go through and play for the first team. Yeah, it's it's literally impossible. So that's where we were slightly different. That we couldn't, we knew we couldn't take a whole group of sixteen through to the first team. That's impossible. I think it's impossible at step five. Um, so it's about realism, I believe, um, in football, especially youth football, especially sort of sixteen to eighteen year olds. Um, it's more the realism side of things that most of you won't make the first team. And um, You may go off to play at the same level at another club or slightly lower, slightly higher, but ultimately it's about getting through one or two individuals to the first team to sort of regularly play <clears throat> week in, week out.
2: Did you have uh, many people drop out because of this uh, mentality, uh, because of that idea, um, ideal? Because it, it, you explaining it, it makes sense, but it, it can, can sound, um, uh, it, it might sound quite harsh to a, maybe a, a an Allied Counties uh, player coming in and being used to something uh, slightly different. Um, do you, did you get a, a large drop-off in players or uh, did many most of them buy into that mentality?
1: Um, I don't think we had a drop-off of players. Was, uh, no, I don't think we did. I think, personally, if you play sports to be competitive and you play to mm. win, um, so if you're willing to be competitive and willing to earn your place in a team and try and progress through that club, I think that most. That's again, you, know, you play sports to be competitive, so that competitive nature makes makes sense for me. And I think it made sense for a lot of young players as well coming through.
2: Mm-hmm. Did you? Um, who did you have that made it to the first team from those uh, youth team or these allied counties team um, teams? Uh, we've had quite a few, to be fair.
1: Boys, um, some boys have gone to the first team, not quite made it. Maybe stayed there for a season or two, um, and sort of dropped down the levels. Uh, but they will go back up again eventually at some point. It's um, As you know, the National League, National League South at the time, was quite a competitive place. And if you're a maidenhead who is quite a small club in, in, in the National League, well, a very small club in the National League, I should say, um, relying on young players to get you through would be very difficult. You sort of need that more older experience more than anything. Um, but, I mean, if you look at Josh Kelly at the moment, he's been there with the first team quite often. A- Quite uh, two or three seasons now so this season he really took off scored quite a few goals, he went viral on quite a few of those as well on social mm-hmm. media um, Max Kilman obviously is another big one um, mm-hmm. obviously now at Wolves he come through, well, I say come through he played for uh, the youth team for about six months after getting released from Gillingham um, again we only just gave him the game time, we didn't really do much of him um, hence the contact time's in an hour or two a week so he uh, he's, earned, he's earned himself and um, there's, a, there's quite a few, but those are sort of the bigger names in recent times. There's a few other boys that are sort of played. Jo- uh, Sean McCormack um, was at Made in the first team for a little while, went to Walton Casuals on loan, sort of around step four, step three football now. Um, Isaac Oder and Femi is currently at Marlow. There's, 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 there's a big list, to be fair. There's a big list.
2: So, uh, what was it you were getting out of coaching that you weren't getting out of your playing career? Because it sounds obviously you've had a uh, a pretty long and uh, successful coaching career so you must uh, i'm presuming you enjoy it a bit more than you did uh you seem to enjoy your playing days
1: yeah i i yeah i i mean i get i get a lot of personal out of coaching just to, just to help people out more than anything and um, to give them a bit of background knowledge from where i was to give them a bit of experience just to see players go on and have a good good career whether that be non-league whether that be professional football whether that be just sort of milling around the uh the lower leagues um, it's just satisfaction more than anything, I believe, just to see them playing football and continues to play.
0: Um, you, so you touched on something really quite interesting to me there about um, kind of the psychological part of the game, uh, and it, it's something that that I've thought more and more about. Uh, you know, as I've got, I mean, I I, I was a terrible footballer um, and still am. Um, <laughs> I've definitely not got better with age, but I. I I had moments where I really believed. I, I had one month in my Sunday League career where I, uh, I've always played in the reserve team and I was the only reserve player to ever win the Club Player of the Month award. And I just had four weekends in a row where I was really good. Um, and it But it was psychological because I, I played well once and it was great and, and it carried on. And then I played well again. Uh, and and it just so, I guess my where what I'm trying to get to is how important do you think psychology is? can psychology and having having a good kind of mental uh, attitude towards your football can that can that paper over some cracks in ability? Do you think, or, or do you have to have a great mix of both to really to really push on and and and, and either play professionally or play in the national league? Uh,
1: confidence breeds success in uh, in my book. Um, if you're confident and you're confident in your own abilities and The old age, you you sort of work hard and you graft. um, That's massive. Psychology and and grafting and working hard, it it can paper over cracks of maybe not having the greatest technical ability. I mean, I certainly didn't. And uh, I I was, I'd done okay when I played um, because I'll sort of run through brick walls more than anything. Um, But yeah, I think psychologically it's huge. It's huge in football. If you believe you're good, and you're what you're willing to work hard you you'll get to where you need to be
0: of course there's there's plenty of people who who believe they're good and 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 aren't of course but um <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah yeah
0: well, that's just, yeah I I, I I i was quite glad i i <laughs> at times kind of knowing your ability as well is 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 important but no, oh there's a realism yeah yeah i, I just thought that I'd, I'd i'd wanted to sort of ask someone about that at some point and just you bringing it up made it made it quite interesting um I wanted to just talk to you a bit about the the county uh, and and running the under eighteen team because you had you had a really successful team last season. You you won the um, the south and west championship, and it, it that that's a that's an odd championship because it's it's obviously it's Berkshire, it's Wiltshire, and then it's Cornwall and Gloucestershire. Is that right? So
1: yeah, it, it changes Mental. year in year out. It, change, yeah, don't. it changes year in year out. So I think we have Wiltshire, Gloucestershire, Devon, Cornwall and Dorset. Um, and sometimes we have Gwent in the league as well, which is obviously oh. Wales. Um, yeah, that, that's quite an easy journey, actually. Um, mm. but yeah, it changes year in, year out. Um, I think you can apply to go to sort of a different region. So we could, we could in theory, apply to go and play sort of Middlesex, Kent, Essex, That's uh, that sort of Bedfordshire, Northamptonshire. We could sort of apply, but we've always sort of stuck to that league. Um, I suppose it's sort of everyone knows each other. All the guys, all the council members, know each other from Devon, from Dorset, from the Barks and Barks. So it kind of just makes sense for us to stay where we are. But travelling can be a problem.
0: Because <laughs> I, I know the last game uh, of, the, of the season last last season, it, there was a. If I remember rightly, there was you had a bit of a shortage of players down to take you down to Cornwall, and it was oh a game gosh. that you needed to. You needed to. No, I don't think you needed to win. I think you it was just a draw. Yeah. Uh, how did you get how did you get that team together and and and, and if you can remember what were the reasons because i can't remember for the life of me while why there were players that were unavailable
1: yeah so a lot of players the problem i don't know why but county games seem to just fall on the worst weekends usually um so I, i believe quite a few of the players had sort of cup semi-finals on the monday right um and it's not fair for us to say to them, Look, come and play for County on the Sunday away at Cornwall. That was <laughs> that was that was um that was that was the problem last year. Away to Cornwall. A lot of the boys had sort of had semi finals and big games and also exams come into play as well. Um it was exam season, cup final season, and we had to go down to Cornwall uh, <laughs> on a Sunday. So yeah, I mean, it was difficult. Um, there was a lot of changes as you can imagine but I mean there is there are a lot of good players in our county that we can pick from and um, we yeah. are quite lucky in that sense um, and yeah the, the, the squad went down there I think it was a nightmare journey I think we left at half eight in the morning from High Wycombe um, we got there at quarter to four and the kickoff was two o'clock um, so we oh. kicked off at about five past four oh, God. Yeah. Um and we went two it up somehow. <laughs> I don't know how, but we see it out of them on on three one in the end. Um, but it's a testament to all the boys in the county because when they come into the county setup, they are fantastic. They really do work hard
2: for each other, and that's uh, again that's that's number one for me. Is you've got to come in and graft. So, so how do you keep tabs on uh, the various players that you can select for count, uh, the county, um, and how much actual work do you get to do with them, either individually or? as part of a group?
1: Well, we go and watch as many games as possible. I've got a good coaching team of uh, Ben Cook, uh, Dan Masters involved, myself, Um, we've got Dan Moina involved this season, we've got Jenny the physio, and we all sort of go out and watch games, because we we all run the under-16s and the under-18s side as well. Um, So you might find us on Saturday mornings somewhere in Reading watching an under-16 game, or might be Milton Keynes midweek an under 18s game, so we just try and keep up and watch as many games as we can as a group, as a management group, coach and staff, um, and just see how players are getting on and progressing.
0: So, so, it sounds a little bit like sort of being the England manager, kind of pop, <laughs> pop into pop into games and and then the, then the sky cameras on you and and and, and there you are watching on. Um, I, I now. Bear in mind that this was one tweet. I, I saw. I saw one tweet. So, so please don't don't take that. This is this is just something I saw, and I wanted to. I wondered what your what your thought process was. But I saw one of the squads you announced, and it was a distinctly Berkshire squad. Yeah. And I saw someone tweet, "Oh, no Bucks players in this." And I think there was there was um, Alfie Tosader was, was in yep. it from Aylesbury. Aylesbury, yeah, yeah. Is that something? Bearing in mind, it's the Bucks and Bucks FA, um, and. and is that something you have to think about or is it just literally these are the players that we've been we've seen or this is the squad that's got us through this far what's the what's the thought process behind picking a squad because I take it there's no sort of quota of representatives from count from different from the two counties
1: no I think we're quite unique in the terms of we are we have got two counties to pick from most counties are a single county as such Um, But the way we see it is we are trying to give the most talented players from the county a a showcase, basically. We don't coach them as such because we don't train. Um, All we can do is facilitate games and that's a showcase for them to show their talents to maybe senior football sides. It may be professional football sides, however, however it looks so. I mean, I've had this quite a lot in the last few years. That oh, you haven't picked this person from Milton Keynes or this person from yeah. New- Newport Pagnell, and such. And that's a fair point; it really is. But on the on the flip, we just pick the sixteen that we believe on that day um, are, are the best players to choose. And I think the problem we have with sort of Milton Keynes-based players and stuff like that is that they can go and play for Bedfordshire, Northamptonshire, and counties like that. That they may play for a club in Northamptonshire for instance so they, they're they ineligible eligible to play for Northamptonshire and that's much closer for them than say playing a game at Ascot or Bracknell or Slough yeah. wherever it may be so that's another issue we have as well. So
0: I, I guess the two counties are, there's, there's quite a lot of distance between the the west of the west of Berkshire and the the I suppose the north of north of Buckingham, Buckinghamshire yeah. you're talking you know you're talking sort of hour and a half two hours almost I guess so that. I, I, I was just curious down down the line whether what the what the sort of the the selection criteria. I suppose the other thing people don't see is that that some of those lads might not have been available as well. That
1: so. that is the other big point. We we can't discuss everyone's personal personal yeah. info on Twitter. <laughs> if I'm trying to reply to people that may be lucky Again, so you might have five players that we wanted to pick from a, a Milton Keynes club that may have, again, a semi-final or an important day on the Monday or they might be away with family. There's always different reasons why players can't play. So it's not just the fact that we pick players from sort of West Park's <laughs> It's the fact that there's a lot of factors in, that sort of decide our uh, what our squad's it going to be. So um,
2: as well as the... Um... Uh, youth or age grade coaching that you've done. Um, you've obviously um, done bits at uh, Ascot and uh, Bracknell Town as well. Um, what, in your experience, is the difference between coaching sort of uh, youth or younger players, uh, like eighteen-year-olds, and adults? And do you prefer coaching one or the other?
1: Um, I've not really got a preference, if I'm being honest. Um, between sort of the ages of sixteen and and senior football, there's not a huge, huge difference now. Um, I suppose the mentality is that senior players that have played for a few years will want to win at all costs, um, no matter how that looks. And a 16, 17-year-old may want to, they'll want to win, but they'll want to look good doing it, if that makes sense. Um, They're more individuals at 16, 17, 18 than they are in senior football, where generally a 24, 25-year-old will be a a team player and they'll want the team to win, whereas a a younger player may sort of be in it for themselves in, in a sense that they're trying to get... Uh, looked at by a senior club, a professional club, whatever maybe, and that's the only slight difference I see is that the individual slash team
2: as you get older. Mm-hmm. Do you change your approach at all in, uh, in coaching different age groups? Because you mentioned earlier, obviously about um, trying to instil that attitude uh, in the Allied County side that uh, made Ned that you had of um, competition between uh, for places and. Um, and the goal was always to get people into the senior team. Um, do you change? Do you bring that uh, a similar approach in when you've uh, done uh, bits with senior sides uh, like Ascot and Bracknell, or do you have to sort of tailor the approach uh, to uh, to who they are? You slightly
1: tailor it again. Going back to the adage that a younger player, 16, 17 year old, is an individual, in my opinion, that's trying to get into mm-hmm. a senior setup where if you're coaching a group of senior players, Ascot, for instance, um, they need to be more of a team or more of a unit because three points are all that really matters in theory. Whereas a youth set up, if you win, you lose, you draw, that's not a problem as long as you're you developing an individual to be competitive and to try and go into that senior football. Um, that's sort of my my look at things. Um, it's just slightly different, more of a team game um, in senior football. <laughs>
0: I wanted to ask just a little bit about the the sort of the the last couple of years, uh, just before we kind of wrap things up. Obviously, you went you went from Maidenhead uh, and and you joined Ascot. Was that was that a sort of fairly easy decision to make? Was it? I, I guess in terms of setup, it was a obviously a step down in terms of uh, sort of division, but uh, in terms of your position at the club, a, a bit of a step up. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, my time at Maidenhead was brilliant, and I've learned a lot from the likes of Drax, who was the gaffer, and then Alan Devonshire as well. And I was lucky to be a part of sort of the title-winning title winning side at Maidenhead. Um, not a massive part; I was just sort of traveling with, with the team and the coach. And <laughs> as a young, as a young coach, that is just unbelievable. That experience, and I've got a lot to thank Alan Devonshire for. To be fair, in terms of that, um, but. Yeah, it's it, it. I I don't see it as a step down at all. Um, in terms of where I was, um, but it gave me more of an insight into senior football. I mean, I've been involved in the Hellenic League before with Maided Reserves, yeah, um, quite a few years ago. So we sort of, I just sort of knew the ins and outs of it all. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting change. I think that the development stuff at Ed was slightly changing, and evolving. And that was something that I didn't really buy into, if I'm being honest. Um, we sort of got rid of the under-23s team the last season I was there. And that was something that I set up myself personally with Dan Masters and something I really believed in. Um, again, the players like Max Kilman and Josh Kelly sort of played in that whole development setup, up So we knew how, how much it worked. Um, but they wanted to go down a slightly different route. Um, so I think that it was quite a natural change to go to Ascot. And obviously, working with Jamie Tompkins and a few of the guys there that I knew, um... Yeah, it made made a lot of sense for me.
0: And, and then, and then, obviously, last summer you switched over to Bracknell, and and that was to go back and work with Sam. Um, was it was that a fairly easy decision, or did you have to? Because obviously, you 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 sort of embedded yourself at Ascot. Was that a was that an easy decision to to switch, or what what was the what was going on there?
1: Oh, that was very difficult. That was probably the most difficult time. Even though I spent a lot of time at Maidenhead, leaving Maidenhead was a lot easier than leaving Ascot. I'll be honest. Um my thought process in the end was it wasn't the jump in football. It wasn't going from step five to step four. I wasn't really interested in that. I wasn't sort of bothered by myself. It was more the fact of going in to help one of my sort of close pals that I've worked with for a long time and sort of grown up with um, outside of football as well. That was my biggest thought process was I'm going to go and help him out at Bracknell, basically. Um, I certainly wouldn't have moved if it was someone else. There was no way I would have stayed at Ascot 100%. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, uh, and of course, and unfortunately, things didn't things didn't quite work out at Bracknell. Um, I suppose from from just the outside looking in, Sam and you said you had a there, there was a lot of bad luck with injuries. I would say, what what was the? Can you can you talk about kind of what happened and 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 any and I, I suppose where you where you think you're going next.
1: Uh, in terms of what having at Bracknell, um, your guess is as good as mine in all honesty. Um, that's the best way to put it. Um, there was a lot of injuries at the time, but there wasn't a issue in terms of results and stuff like that. It was, it, it, I mean, it is what it is. Um, yeah, there was no, there was nothing going on really at Bracknell. Everyone was fine in theory. Um, In terms of what's next, I really don't know, if I'm being honest. Uh, I've had a good few conversations and I appreciate people that have sort of messaged me and asked me what I was doing next season and stuff like that. Um, But I'm not in a rush to get back into it. I've enjoyed having two or three months off, (laughs) believe it it or not. Um, I've enjoyed going to watch my mates play for once and, yeah, just watching people play football rather than being emotionally involved. Because when you're on the sideline for those 90 minutes, everything else is irrelevant and you're emotionally involved in the game. Um, and if you lose on a Saturday night, you, you, you're not going, you're not sleeping. Um, if you hmm. win, you sort of go down the pub and have a few Guinnesses. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice not being emotionally involved, I'll be honest. Uh,
2: does that mean that uh, you don't have any ambitions further on in the game? I mean, you say that you haven't got anything uh, lined up for next season or um, uh, much idea of what comes next, but do you have any sort of goals that you want to hit in your uh coaching career like manage at a certain level or or you know develop certain players or uh, what are your ambitions
1: yeah personally i'm very ambitious very very i mean i want to go to professional football at some point not not in an academy setup but i don't i don't really believe in the, the academy setups in this country i'll be honest um but in senior football, in professional football, however that looks, so I'd love to be there at some point in my career, maybe 10 years down the line. It might happen, it might not. You, you never know. But there's also, I'd like to go abroad as well. I'd like to go to somewhere like Ireland or Gibraltar or Malta or somewhere along those lines. Um Solso Vigo, oh. <laughs> Spain might be out of the uh, question. <laughs> But, uh, they speak English in Ireland and obviously Gibraltar, so it's, um, it's a lot easier for me. But now somewhere <laughs> like that, where you've got a realistic chance of sort of getting in the quali- qualification rounds of sort of like Europa League and Champions League, and I mean these are all pipe dreams, obviously. Um, I'm nowhere near that level at the moment, as you can imagine. But I'd love to be there at some point. So I've got a lot of aspirations going forwards. But the issue I've got this coming season is, I'm, again, I'm on my UEFA B and my Advanced Youth Award, um, mm. so that's coming. That's Forefront, that's coming first and it's taken me four years to get on the course so um it's uh yeah that's very important to me and
2: obviously coaching or managing the team is sort of not that important at the moment mm-hmm. you say that it, t- it took you four years to get on uh, those courses is that a common thing um for those courses in this country or is is that just c- circumstantial to you so that seems like a a long wait for you know Trying to, you want to get co- coaches through the system and qualified. So it seems like a long wait.
1: It is a long wait, and I think a lot of people go through the same process and the same problem as, as I've had. Mm. Um, it, I mean, if you've got, and I feel sorry for the county FA actually and the guys that are sort of, sort of, uh, in charge of it, you've got two hundred people applying for twenty-four places at times, mm. and they're all, they're all, as qualified as each other. So who, who do you pick? Basically, it's, it's a difficult situation. Um, and the usb course now is fantastic i've done we done block one back in march and just the bits we picked up already in the first four days were were fantastic um so i'm pleased i'm on it now um the wait was certainly certainly worth the wait i, I agree but yeah there is there is a slight issue but i suppose if you want more quality coaches um you just have to wait
0: mm-hmm. I <laughs> um, I just wanted to just to just to round things off I wanted to ask you uh, a little bit sort of about players and uh, and I suppose some of the, some of the players you've coached is, is there anyone kind of that, that's been that's been with you that you've coached that's kind of surprised you on in how well they've done how far they've gone depending on kind of how they how they arrived with you Yeah I
1: think there's more so players that haven't gone on to do what they should have done I think more so <laughs> than anything um but there are players out there that are really surprised. I'm not, I say surprised. I'm not surprised uh, they've got to where they've got.
0: It seems like I'm being um, a bit harsh there. I don't, I don't mean, yeah, to, I mean to. Yeah, I mean, one of the
1: players we had with us quite a long time ago now, um, he was just for a year. He was sort of in and out of the team, um, was Matty Cash, believe it or not. Um, and what he's done in his career is unbelievable. Um, he always worked hard. He always grafted. But he was never really on our radar in terms of one of the top players that, that made a aduse team at the time. And he was at Fab Academy as well, and I think what Fab Academy have done with him, um, and they're not my uh, favourite academy in the world, but what they've done with Matty Cash is fantastic, um, and and the player he is now, um, and he's a great person as well. He's a fantastic lad. Um, so that was probably my biggest surprise. I'll be honest.
2: If uh, Tom's going to ask about the players, I'll ask about the managers. Um, so which, of you've uh, referenced a few managers here. Um, uh, that you've uh, worked with or under um, during your career. Is there any one that you can sort of uh, point to and say, they gave me a, a good bit of advice that I still use today? And what would that advice be?
1: Uh, I'm not sure there's any real advice I can remember because there was a lot of pi- I mean, I pick up stuff from everyone I, I work with, um, mm. people I come across. I, I believe that you can learn something from everyone, um, whether it's good or bad. Um, but still to this day, I think Johnson Hippolyte like, Dirac's at Maidenhead. I think he was a very underrated manager. Um, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, a lot of players he brought in, like Harry Pritchards and Sam Barrett, and people like that, have gone on to do going to professional football. Uh, Dave Tarpey as well. Um, he knew what he was after. Um, I think he was a bit unlucky at Maidenhead, in all honesty. So I think he's a fantastic manager.
0: Hmm. Um, Aaron, we'll we'll wrap things up there. Thank you, thank you very much for uh, for for coming on the podcast today. Uh, Rob, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? That
2: was my last question, so
0: that was good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, yeah, Aaron, thank you very much. Just to finish off, we have a question we ask everybody uh, before we finish. Uh, so, could you recommend a box set or a TV show that you've been watching uh, to help just to inspire our listeners? through this lockdown <laughs>
1: um yeah there's quite a few actually um there's quite a few good comedies on sky at the moment breeders i'm not sure if you've seen is fantastic with martin freeman okay um very funny uh there's a new one called code 404 as well it's just come out um on sky again and there's a quite an old one called detectorists on bbc yes. that i think is fantastic oh, yeah. um Love that. yeah so those those three breeders, Code 404 and Detecturist is uh, very good.
0: Marvellous. You get nine points there for mentioning three shows we've not had on the uh, on the podcast <laughs> so far so every, everybody's going ozark or um the, and do you know what rob i didn't look up the michael jordan one which i that's why so i still can't remember what it was called um so and, and yeah so everybody's sort of saying the uh, the either the is it strangers and the ozark and um uh, and the michael jordan one so
1: well you like a bit yeah. of dark humor a bit of light comedy, <laughs> so these these ones are quite good for
0: that excellent stuff like excellent it. aaron thank you very much for joining us
1: thanks gents stay safe
0: Uh, That was the Berkshire Football Stories podcast pub, but not in a pub chat with Berkshire Bucks Under-18s manager Aaron Stedman. You can see more in this series by searching Berkshire Football Stories on your favourite podcast app. Please subscribe for all the latest, and if you have a minute, please give us a rating and a review. Uh, All that's left to say is, is goodbye from me, Tom. It's goodbye from Rob. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Aaron. Take care, guys.